episode two, round three. Episode three episoding. Yeah. We can't do the first episode because we realized that we named the podcast after something that was already named. We fucked up. I should have done some Googling first. But anyway, what's up? This is Room to Talk. I'm Bud. I'm here with my friend Mike. And we got our special guest in the background, our sound guy, Zach. What's up? Sound specialist. We'll chime in every now and then. He's trying to make sure that the... Uh, at the vocals sound pristine when we're ready to release this for you guys. Crisp and clear, ready to go. Hot off the presses. Yeah. On so the we cool don't, breeze. <laughs> we don't have a lot of rhyme or reason to this podcast yet. We just wanted to start one really bad. So uh, it's going to be pretty random at times. We got uh Sorry, I got an itch oop, right below oop, my eye. Oop. Got it. Mike's got some stuff for you today, and I got... An interesting research topic. Probably not for the faint heart or for most of you. I don't he's, even under... I can't even honestly remember why I wanted to do this. We were talking about something like <laughs> days ago, and I was just like, all right, I'm going to do it. He's been writing a thesis. Not really a thesis. It's pretty cut and dry. Dude's a fucking... Dude's crazy. However, Mike told me that he has some... Interesting news topics, some news, uh, some current events, I guess, as of late to share with our yet-to-be-seen online audience. <laughs> our zero I know you guys are there, and I just want to thank you guys before you're even here. One day, 20 years from now, one dude will listen to this, and you know what? He'll have a good time, hopefully. I'm sure, like, <laughs> one of our friends, at least one of each of our friends will fucking listen to at least 30 seconds of this. If not, just to roast us for it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably gonna get a lot of roasters, but fuck them. But fuck them. Yeah. So, uh, there was a kind of weird hostage situation in Ukraine the other day it only sure, there's a bunch it only ended after the after the gunman demanded the president endorse a Joaquin Phoenix movie a Joaquin oh, Phoenix scene. <laughs> you stole you stole a person just to like you thought Joaquin Phoenix is like what he's going to like bail you out i he, he just wanted the president to recognize that the, his 2005 Anwar Rice documentary, Earthlings, is a good movie. Unreal. <laughs> Unfucking real. He had seized a bus and demanded dozens of government officials admit to being terrorists as well. Like, like a school bus or like... I, I think a regular bus. A city bus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the picture I'm looking at here is just a... looks like a regular bus. He but it looks like from the 70s, but this happened the other day. in Ukraine. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> Against anybody in Ukraine. We got love for the Ukrainians. Yeah. I don't personally know anybody from Ukraine. Actually. I'm Ukrainian. I think when I worked at the cigarette store, I'm pretty sure the one lady, she came in and bought lottery all the time. I'm pretty sure she was from Ukraine. That's pretty cool. Like she bought lottery every day. But I'm not, you can, I can't be quoted on that. I don't know if uh, she was actually from Ukraine. Somewhere over there. Somewhere. Yeah. There was uh, another store situation in uh, California. What do you mean? A lady didn't want to wear a mask in a Verizon store. Oh. Shall we say it? We had another Karen situation. This is like a feral Karen. A feral Karen. She She had uh, rabies. uh, She She was uh, foaming at the mouth. 
pretty much she uh, urinated on the floor after <laughs> they told her she had to wear a mask. <laughs> she urinated on the she just dropped drawers and pissed on the floor. There's a, in the 911 call, you can hear the dispatch operator tell an officer that uh there are people refusing to leave. They're not wearing a mask. They've asked several times and she refuses. About three minutes later, the operator tells the officer they're coming back and advising that the female is pulling down her pants and is now urinating inside the business. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was uh, arrested, and they, when they searched her car, it found that she had a bunch of stolen items from Dick's Sporting Goods. Wow. And then she went into a Verizon store, probably to do the same. She had to have been on drugs. Like, why, would you be, yeah, why would you be a thief and then just act out, like, just be like that? That's still hilarious, though. Gotta love a good, uh, a good statement. Good old statement. <laughs> I'm not gonna wear my mask. Fuck you. <laughs> Piss on the floor. People are wild. What store did it happen in again? A Verizon store in California. A Verizon store? It's like a suburb of, like, Sacramento, I guess. <laughs> Piss on the iPhones, fucking... Ogden. <laughs> Ladies... <laughs> Don't piss in the Verizon store. Nobody piss in the Verizon store. I don't even think they have public bathrooms. So, yeah, ours uh, don't. Yeah, I don't I've so. never been to a Verizon store with a bathroom. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. But they're usually in like... I'm sure they have one for the employees. I think they have to, but... Yeah, you have to have one for employees, but... They're usually always in like... Centers. Like big... Yeah, like malls or like shopping yeah. centers. Yeah. Very few of our standalone Verizon stores. Yeah. I don't... I mean, I guess I have gone to a couple big cities where there's, like, a big old building that says Verizon, but... That's probably more, like, offices and shit. Yeah. Data centers. <coughs> totally. I got some good news for you. Good news? Yeah. Not a lot of that lately. There's a uh, satanic temple in Massachusetts offering a $500 Devil Advocate Scholarship to any 2020 graduate for college. <laughs> Hell yeah. Satanic Temple is helping out, man. <laughs> uh, Someone's finally doing something about the student debt crisis in this country, and it's not God. Yeah. Uh, so to <laughs> to apply, you must answer one of two questions. You have to describe what you've done to promote the organization's tenets and mission. To describe, uh, like, you have to promote like the satanic, like, uh, something that you've done that promotes the, like, the satanic temples, like drive or like. Yeah, to like goals. prove it. You have to prove that you've done it, or you just. Well, have I mean, to... most of them is like just respect other humans and like shit like that. Fair enough. Yeah, actual. What is it? What What's the actual like Satanism or? Yeah, it's it's called Satanism. I, I don't believe wanna, so. I don't want to butcher it. Um, actual Satanism, not. Not what. Uh, not these like occultists like yeah not like stereotypical like sacrifice babies and goats and shit like at, what the actual religion of satanism mm -hmm. is basically is, is based on be a free thinker yeah <laughs> it's basically just anti-religion anti-god like help thy other man type stuff there is no fucking devil worshiping or rituals a lot of, like, a lot of them like also secular humanism yeah i was i've been hearing that term a lot too recently it's it's a weird i don't i i haven't researched it. i don't understand oh, it like, like i mean what was it called secular humanism secular what do they mean by that well like secular means like basically just non-religious like okay and humanism is like fair enough for fair the enough. benefit of humans i was never i never heard secular yeah before i never understood the term 
Um, but what uh, school did you go to? The other question you can also answer is: you could describe a teacher who's crushed your spirit, undermined your self confidence, and made you hate every minute you were forced to be in school. Well, that's not that hard. Everybody he, should be getting one of these scholarships. Uh, the the organization's founder, uh, Malcolm Jerry, said that it aims to draw the attention to the problems of compulsory education. He said that Satanic Temple is opposed to mandatory schooling because it violates students' fundamental civil rights and ingrains obedience to unearned authority. That's very true. That's very true. That's a bad, like... It's a bad template. You should question everything. Yes, absolutely. Especially the people that are teaching us. There's yeah. way too many... Um, there's way too many of these people out here that get a teaching job kind of like the coach thing too it's like the coach you know the, the guy who gets a coach the teacher that gets a coaching position or some shit like that that was bullied or he never got to play or you know what i mean he just wants that authority to just you know boss other people yeah. like oh i'm in charge yep. now i'm the big guy like there's too many people like that in like law in enforcement schools. especially law enforcement <laughs> but like teachers too like how many yeah. times you see a kid who's like how many times did you see a kid get yelled at by a teacher in school and like you're sitting in your seat and you're not saying anything because you know you're gonna get in fucking trouble too. Yeah, definitely. they're gonna send you to the office. They're gonna call your parents. They're gonna send you. They're gonna make your fucking life a fucking living hell over stupid shit. And how many times are you sitting there like looking at the kid like he's right? And whose word counts more, the teachers or the kids? Like exactly. they're always gonna believe the teacher. I got a quick one here from a Walmart. It's a Walmart story. No, it's gonna be good. He never. No, know it's gonna be straight trailer trash. Great fucking goodiness. Uh, in Ogden, Utah, man. A what? Like a man from Ogden, Utah. Ogden. Yeah, Ogden. O G D N. Ogden. I couldn't hear it at first. He was uh, arrested for printing porn at a Walmart, and quote for the homies who were locked up. <laughs> yes. All heroes don't wear capes. Okay. Uh, I'm sure whoever his homies were, they were very, very happy with him. Well, not anymore because he's with them. <laughs> Did he get arrested for it? Yeah, according to witnesses on May 28th, he, uh, a witness complained to the Walmart loss prevention saying a man later identified as 22-year-old John Hughes was printing off pornographic <laughs> images of the Walmart photo center. <laughs> right in front of kids. Uh Apparently, they said oh. the images appeared to show underage females. Something, That's not cool. Something Hughes denies. That's not cool. We're not, we don't laugh about such subjects. We don't make light of such subjects if they were underage girls. Naughty. He says he completely denies that they were of underage, but he says he was trying to, he was trying to print it off so he could send it to the homies who were locked up. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part. It's like, this guy just ripped porn off the fucking internet and tried to print it off, and... Yeah. Obviously looks like some teenage girl, so they're gonna fucking think that he's a fucking... Well, he's also printing... Unfortunately, he yeah. was on probation for other crimes at the charge of the arrest. What, for pissing, <laughs> for chopping drawers and pissing in the Walmart for not wearing a mask? No, that was his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Florida couple arrested in Utah. Oh my fucking God. Let's see, let's see, we'll see. What else you got for us? Uh, so you know how Trump has all these, uh, like, secret police going out everywhere, kidnapping people off the streets and stuff like that? I've seen video of people with not, like, they say they're all, like, militaried up, well, no I mean, badge. He, he signed, like, back when these protests first started, he signed, like, a presidential act or whatever. Like, you know what they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
fuck? What are they called now? You know what they do? They wake well, up. What's it called? Huh? What's it called? When like a presidential like when order like a decree? Yeah, like yeah. an executive order. Yeah, executive order. Like that, a decree. Yeah, an executive is King King Trump. When King Trump <laughs> signs his pen to paper and makes law, uh, we've got word from the monarchy. Uh, but he it, like got all like the federal police forces, like the Smithsonian police, like the cops that guard the museums, the fucking stamp police, fucking they're like security guards. They're not even real police, are no, they? Apparently, like in the federal buildings, they're they're police, like they're milit, like they're police. <laughs> okay, but there's probably both. You're right. There probably is like actual police that like. Well, no, no, but like these are like a, an agency that's specifically like tasked with like protecting like the Smithsonian, and there's like a stamp yeah. one. There's all sorts of these little tiny ones that he's now mobilized under his control that he has like militarized and sent them across the country to kidnap people. Sure, Portland, fucking, sure. they're t- they're gonna send them to Chicago next. Like they're already like redeploying into Chicago. Be careful, people. But uh, he had sent uh. The U.S. Marshal Special Operations Group and Custom and Border Protection, BORACT, B-O-R-T-A-C, Border Patrol Technical My Unit, name is BORACT. Uh, to Portland to protect federal property. Pro- uh, yeah, air quotes, to protect federal property, kidnap like, people with cameras off the streets. It's all ours. Well, because they're targeting anyone with a camera. Like, any, like you can literally, there's videos where the cops are yelling, media, media, and then they go after those people. <laughs> that's a good strategy. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a good, I mean, that's a great way for like a dictator to cover up his crimes. Uh, they're picking up people on like unmarked vans, taking them to unknown facilities, detaining and questioning them for hours. We are living in a comic book world. Like we all grew up in all these cartoons where it was like this super villain was always trying to take over the city, and now like he's the president. There's well, not even just that. It's just like. <laughs> There's literally just like militarized fucking everything. The fucking the citizens are militarized too. Like we're good. They're good. No, yeah, that's what I'm we saying. We need it's tanks. Like, we need missile launchers and I, tanks. I, <laughs> I get it from both angles. I'm just saying, like everywhere, it's the whole like you know what I mean. Like we're slowly turning into like a third world fuck. Okay, we're not actually yet, but it's still there's definitely places in the United States right now where it's like militarized and I saw this one thing where a dude was like lighting his blunt off of a burning cop car hell yeah brother. and then the next picture was just him walking off just like smacking it and he's just like literally in the middle of a four way down with tyranny Brad I mean yeah but we gotta take seriously like we gotta take the T of 2020 and throw it into that harbor we talking about fractions of a cent here <laughs> Jesus uh, I I will not allow you to to humiliate my people again. <laughs> my native people will prosper in the future. It'll all start from Oregon. All from Oregon. Or Oklahoma, sorry. Yeah, the native land. Sorry, Oklahoma. That is where... You gotta, you gotta listen to episode one to figure out about that. What? You gotta listen to episode one to find out about that. Yeah, and episode one is like deep in the caves. Because <laughs> we can't actually release it. Because we said the wrong name. We might, we might just beep out the name. You're right. I could edit it out. It wouldn't be that hard. I mean, there's some good content there, I feel. There was hidden, some, <laughs> there's some hidden gems underneath all that filth. If it sounds like mac and cheese, <laughs> we'll leave it there. However, <laughs> do you think some of those vocals were workable? Yeah, they sound fine. Like, you could... Yeah. We could actually... We could probably, like, since yeah. I have them saved, we could load oh, them up yeah, in... Save on the He's got us. You guys might get episode one and (laughs) 1.2. I might just put them together into one. However, 
but uh, it might be actually episode negative one. When was the nineteenth? Was that Sunday? When was the nineteenth? Yeah. So uh, on Sunday, seven nineteen, federal agents tear gassed a group of mothers protesting against police and federal brutality. Uh, the Facebook post describes that three hundred moms created a wall, arm in arm, between oh. the protesters and feds and cops. The chant is "Feds stay clear, moms are here." <laughs> they call themselves the Wall of Moms. Moms. Blech. And then they got tear gassed. <laughs> yep. Then they fucking the federal agents stormed them and tear gassed them. They said uh, the organizer Bev Barnum. She she's a mom. That's a mom name. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Bev Barnum. Bev Barnum, <laughs> leader of the Mum Coalition. <laughs> <laughs> she's the organizer of the Wall of Moms. Wrote a face wrote in the Facebook event. As of late, protesters are being stripped of their rights by being placed in unmarked cars and unidentifiable by unidentifiable law enforcement. She continued, we moms are often underestimated, but we're stronger than we're given credit for. So what do you say? Will you stand with me? Will you help, cre- will you help me create a wall of moms? <laughs> Obviously, we need a little thicker wall. She said that, uh, to like, hopefully, so they wouldn't be attacked. We wanted to look like we were going to target, like, normal people, in the hopes that this could serve as protection against federal agents. But alas, it did not. Alas! <laughs> Who even says alas anymore? <laughs> me! Yeah, Bev Barnum fucking does. <laughs> Where are you from, Bev? Oh, uh, later in the night, federal agents tear-gassed the moms and deployed flashbang grenades against them. Reportedly, one of the moms is pregnant, and the federal agents are putting these peaceful protesters in clear danger. Obviously. Tear gas them pregnant women, hell yeah. Way to go, federal agents. You're really protecting our country. Yeah, you, can pre- sleep, you can sleep soundly at God night, that's for sure. Goddamn pregnant women <laughs> taking over the fucking country. Yep. <laughs> ah, jeez, jeez. I think this is China? China. China. <laughs> China. So I got one more here. One more. Yeah. So, uh, apparently Israel keeps blowing up military targets in Iran, and a lot of people are speculating they're hoping to force a confrontation before Trump can be voted out in November, because, you know, like, we're, we guarantee Israel pretty much. Fair enough. Not very fluent on the whole situation. I, like, from my very, like, limited and shallow understanding of it is, I want, like, we can... I think it was after the Iraq basically, War. It has Israel taken basically a lot of the Palest- the original Palestinian land? No, I think it was the other way around. The I think Palestinian- it was Palestine, and then we carved out Israel from Palestine. And they're trying to take it back. Yeah, I believe okay. so. Okay. And uh, Don't quote us on that. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but that's from what I understand. I know. I keep hearing a bunch of stuff about it, and it's a very like delicate topic that I don't... Like, I just haven't been able to, like, bring myself to, like, get into or, like, research or know a bunch about because it's the, it's the Holy Land. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been crusades there since the 12th century. So. Yeah. From the uh, article I was reading, it says, Iran has suffered a series of bombings and fires at military facilities in recent weeks, including at a major missile production and nuclear facilities. Apparently, it's part of a wider campaign to damage Iran or even pressure into military confrontation before President uh, Trump can be voted out. Since basically, like, if like they go to war, we're gonna have to go in with them. And with Trump, and he's all for it, I'm sure. I mean, that's what makes our economy go around right now. Yeah. 
Uh, a former Israel defense officer told Insider it was common knowledge that at least some of the latest attacks were done by Israel intelli- Israeli intelligence. And an EU official also told uh, Insider, the article I was reading, that they feared Israel was planning to provoke Iran into a military confrontation. There's all kind of military confrontations over there. Knock on wood. It's rough. We don't want that shit here. Yeah, but that's crazy. I don't know how to think about that. I don't know, like, it's so far away from our realm or, like, the reality that we're, like... Like, everyone's bitching about Rona. And, like, over there, it's some real shit. Like, it's some real fucking war shit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Israeli Foreign Minister Gabi Ashkenazi, if I just butchered that. But, uh, we'll probably butcher a lot of things during this podcast. He said at a press conference on July 5th that in regard to Iran, and this is a Israeli like official, uh, he says in regards to Iran, we take actions that are better left unsaid. <laughs> and that is not some quick dick. We're gonna come for you, motherfucker. Shit, I don't know what it is. I like how he's just not passive aggressive at all. I like how he just, uh, yeah, it's just that we take actions that are better left unsaid. Fucking people in power. I don't know why you'd want a job. Like I literally, like you have to be a psychopath to want one of these fucking like to be the head of a country or the head of anything. Like, yeah, man. Not in but my hey, fucking cup of tea. But if you're the head, you usually get a bunga bunga room. <laughs> <laughs> what was the bunga bunga room again? The bunga bunga room. I think it was uh, one of the Italian dictators. I don't remember which one, but one of them. He fucking had like a his sex room. He called it the bunga oh, bunga the re- room. Oh yeah, the red room. Yeah, the bunga bunga room. The bunga bunga room. <laughs> Who doesn't want one of those? I London my bunga bunga room. <sighs> now, bitch, requiescat in pace. Shout out to the Satanic Temple for bringing a little light to the world. Hey, there's going to be some students during Rona that's going to need that fucking money. How yeah, much was it again? Five hundred bucks. And and who was offering it? The Massachusetts Satanic Temple. The Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Satanic Temple is offering the five hundred dollars scholarship. Look it up. Any twenty twenty grad. Yes, if you're a twenty twenty grad and you need an extra five hundred dollars, which I'm sure you could use it. Yeah, basically every single fucking person that's going to college needs it. Hit them up. Try to get that scholarship because yeah. that would be dope. We'll have to find a link when we release this, and we'll have to uh, we'll have to plug you in with it. So, uh, I heard you got a story for us, Brad. Uh, I a true story. Do I have a? St- it's not really much of a story. It's more of an analysis, really. I really, I'm gonna have to go back through our text messages. I don't know why I fucking picked. Like, I literally have no idea what even brought up. I don't know what brought up the movie. Or what brought up, like, yeah. Nazi in general. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think we were somehow... Oh, I think we, were, we got talking about Mengele somehow. Ah, uh, yeah, you said something about, uh... Fuck. Like, Argentina. Like, some... Oh, how, uh, the Nazis escaped to South America? You mentioned Paperclip. You mentioned oh, Operation, Operation Paperclip. Paperclip. How we stole the how we how we brought the uh, the Nazi scientists and and that's how we made yeah and we yeah we we pardoned them basically brought them over here and started fucking hey what you working on there pal all oh, their fucking disgusting fucking technology 
We just needed to know it. However, brought me back to my time in high school, in Mr. Linquist class, <laughs> where he showed us an amazing movie, brutal but amazing, Schindler's List. It's fucking intense. If anybody has watched it, they know. Definitely it's about the Holocaust, obviously. If you don't know the story of Oscar Schindler, you should. This dude was crazy. He was like... It's actually nuts because, like... He did... In the... Mo- the it's a depiction about what he did during a certain time of the war. Like, that's basically it. It's something, like, of his early life. It's literally, like, what he did during World War II. Mm-hmm. And he was a member of the Nazi party. And what he did is he saved a bunch, like, literally at the end of it all, it, there's a famous list, 1,200 in all Jews from a concentration camp in Poland. Like, he basically became really good friends with the commander, who's actually what I'm going to talk about. He's the subject of it. I'm just explaining the movie right now, Schindler's List. Um, he becomes really good friends with a Nazi commandant and... Basically, he starts up these businesses. He has this one Jew um, help him start up and run a business, and he uses Jew labor, basically. They were cheaper than Polish laborers at the time, so he would buy... And he saves them yeah. from the camps like that? Yeah. The guy's literally... In the movie, the guy, the uh, his like accountant and, and secretary, blah, 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 he's like explaining to him, like, oh, Polish Polish workers are a little bit more, but da, da, da. that's probably a terrible terrible Polish accent um, but he's like why would I do that if they call it like when I can get these much, Jews are yeah, working much, to death how, yeah how much Jew no 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 no, 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 no. Yeah, he didn't do that but like yeah. that's the thought it was the thought it was like, he was like why would I do like and the, and the dude that told him this was Jewish too like yeah. his secretary his accountant he was a Jew and he was just like well why would I do that and that's it's kind of like where the, where the accountant started like subliminally seeing because he did a lot of this stuff like subliminally because obviously if anyone found out he would have got the same fate yeah if they figured out what and all, and it all like he didn't he wasn't out to save them right away like I said he was a not he was a member of the Nazi party my girlfriend I, before I start this me and my girlfriend got into a crazy argument the other day like she was going in on me because I was like explaining about what happened to Oscar like afterwards not to mention like during the war we'll get into it huge womanizer a lot of these fucking people were like these germans and stuff they obviously just they're a bunch of crazy people. i mean they believe a lot of people aren't people so it's yeah, womanizing exactly, that far yeah. of a stretch exactly like they just <laughs> these people they're crazy people they just took over a country like they're just they're partying it up many countries yeah they're doing all kind of, a lot of these men are married and stuff like that and they're just out here doing crazy shit anyway the commandant that Oscar Schindler befriends is a man named Amon Gert. And this motherfucker was nuts. He was a serial killer. He had to have been. You had to, to I don't know what the fucking what the credentials are. I don't know how exactly they label you as a serial killer, but this literally I have to find the quote here eventually. Um actually in my iPad here. I think I have it at the bottom. In the bud book. Yeah, bro. I did. I wrote a lot. I went through this guy's Wikipedia. I wish I could have done more, like, actually, like, gone somewhere and found books about, like, where they mentioned this dude and stuff. I really went through his Wikipedia, and I extensively went through Schindler's List and, like, wrote down a bunch of stuff that was just, like, I wanted to kind of compare to see, like, did they lighten up on this dude? 
because he's brutal in the fucking movie. Like the first, I remember the first time I saw him in school, I was just like, "What?" I mean, I'm sure if anything, he's probably more brutal. Oh yeah, yeah. When, yeah. I, when I read some of the stuff, like from his, just just from his Wikipedia page, let alone like, and in the movie, it's fucking brutal too. Like though, there was this, <laughs> there's this one time where you like literally just laugh at him. He like takes a he he like goes into Oscar's place and he he like asks this like rabbi to like make him a door hinge and shit like that and he fucking does it like flawlessly like he's timing him and you can tell that he, like he's sweating like the guy knows like if he fucks up like yeah, he's probably like, done yeah but bro oh it's so fucked up it's so fucked up what he does he does that shit he fucking gets it done he's like you're doing good you're doing good da 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 he gets it done throws it to him he's like very very good he's like however. You did that in this short amount of time, and you've been working here since 6 a.m., and you have such a small pile of door hinges. Takes them right out to be shot. Like, immediately goes out to be shot. This is fucked up. I don't know if this is real or they just kind of did this for, like, effect. But they might... I don't know, but it was just, like, a part where... It was the only part where you could finally just be like, good for you, you fucking asshole. You you know what I mean? Like, good. It's not even anything worth what this guy deserves, but... He pulls his pistol out of his fucking coat. The guy's on his knees. He has two other officers there. He he goes to shoot him. Clicks. Nothing. Like just dry fires. Nothing happens. Damn. He fucking he fucking primes it again. Like gets it ready. Fucking click. Jesus Christ. And the fucking the officer comes over and like gra- grabs it out of his hand. He like fucking like looks at it and stuff. He tries to shoot, dude. Keeps dry firing. So he's just like fuck it. He pulls another one out of like his fucking boot or like another <laughs> just a different pistol out of his fucking coat. He goes to shoot him again. It dry fires again. Damn. That pistol fucking just misfires and doesn't go off. And then he just has this fit. Where he's just like pulling the trigger, pulling back, tr- trigger. Like he does it like literally like eight to ten times or something like that. He just fucking loses it like a little kid and bashes the rabbi in the back of the head and just storms off. Damn. Literally just storms off in the movie. And then Damn. and then he's like Nazis just standing there. He's like, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's like they couldn't understand it and stuff like that. It was like if that was real, it was just like. But that's how like he was like literally like first off, the part you laugh at him is like good for you. You fucking asshole. You you know what I mean? Like. Good. Yeah. I hope all your fucking guns dry fire. You should be able to, <laughs> should be able to kill this motherfucker. Again. Yeah. And uh, Schindler actually ends up... Basically, that part in the movie is setting up, like, whenever Gert... Whenever Gert singles someone out, basically Oscar's accountant, who's working in the fucking concentration camp, puts him on the list to come work at his kind of like saves him and shit like uh, that that person so that's it kind of like sets up that kind of scene where when you the heat's see. on him gets him yeah, out of there you can kind of what it really does is it really meshes like Gert versus Schindler at the time yeah like and uh this is still before Schindler even really like puts it on that what like his whole master plan but anyway yeah Gert's just a savage he's a crazy motherfucker what's he's his whole name killer. again Gert Amon oh Amon Amon Leopold Gert Amon Leopold Gert. I could be butchering the uh, the pronunciation of Gert. Uh, there's hey, two Gert. different spellings. There's a couple of like uh, there's like accents, or I don't exactly know. There's like, but there's a couple different spellings. You can spell it G O T H, like we spell goth, but or G O E T H Gert. But that's how they say it the entire time. It's like Gert, like there's an R in it or something. Gert. I'm not good with German. I'll have to talk to Carson. Nine. <laughs> yes. Uh, for anybody who's wondering. Uh, he's depicted by Ralph Fiennes, the guy who plays Lord Voldemort. In oh no, <laughs> dude, no, I didn't even realize. You didn't realize that no. was him. Yeah, he plays. He actually he won a like I think it's called a BAFTA over there. Oh okay, over in Europe, he won a BAFTA for the performance for like the best villain. I've heard there of was that, a list. I don't know what it is. 
Yeah. There's a list of like uh, someone, some big. I don't exactly know who, but there's a list of like top 50 villains of all time, and he made like 15th on it and stuff like that. I'd agree. There is, um, there's actually a Holocaust survivor. This is nuts. This is actually like when you actually think about it, if you like, if you would put yourself in the position, there's a Holocaust survivor that she's depicted in the movie. You see, you see her and her uh, boyfriend slash husband a couple of times, and they kept their names in there for for historical accuracy. Um. The real survivor saw Ralph Fiennes dressed up in all SS gear on set as Gert, and he looked so much like her that, or so much like him, that she started shaking like uncontrollably. Oh, damn. Like she could not, like she couldn't be in it. Obviously, she probably Death eventually got. Standing yeah, before her. But they were all just like crazy. It's the same thing with uh, actually Gert's daughter. Gert's one daughter um, met one of his maids which was like the one of the two jewish maids that he oh, picked okay. out yeah it was like a huge thing where like um gert's daughter got a hold of the maid and said like you know we should we should meet up and she wasn't and the woman she she wasn't about it right away like hmm. she had way too many memories of her father and obviously just the camp in general yeah, i mean and that would fuck like, with you yeah but then gert's daughter said we have to do it we have to do it for all those murdered people. And that's what kind of, like, made her come around and, like, think, like, okay, this woman's Our not... Our papa killed so many people, we owe it to him. Yeah. And, and dude, the, the crazy thing, I'll have to bring it up on the Wikipedia, is, like, the... I think this daughter wrote a book. I think it was called, like, I still have... I still have to love my father, don't I? No. And then her... Gra- yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I think it's about, because it has a question mark on it, too. So I don't I don't exactly know. The last page of the book is just a big yeah. no. <laughs> she, men- she mentions about how her mother, who actually, like... He had, like... Basically, he was married at the time. He had an affair with this woman and then had this kid later on after his wife left him and stuff mm. like that. He never married the woman, but after he died, she took his name. But she, she had her, her daughter... Their, their daughter uh, she mentions how like she was like literally like glorified him like she unconditionally Damn. glorified Gert until she found out his role in the holocaust like all the, yeah she had no idea she Damn. had no fucking idea they never she never like entered the camp and you know what I mean I know this is a huge thing between like Germans and stuff that she probably did know you know what I mean? Like, I know that a lot of Germans. Wait, how like, old was she though? Huh? When, when was she was the secretary in Schindler's. Um, oh wait, who were we talking about? Didn't you say his daughter? I'm th- yeah. Sorry, I was talking about like his wife. Oh, 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 okay. His daughter said that about her mother, his okay girlfriend. He never actually married her. She just took his name after he died. It was just a relationship. <laughs> that he, yeah, she was a secretary. The mother. Oh. She was a secretary in Schindler's. Uh, first enamelware factory no she wasn't okay so she no. was a german yeah that's what i'm saying is like he had an accountant that was jewish but not to be stereotypical or not to be judgmental back you know what i mean like they were good with numbers they were good running a lot of jews ran businesses back then and stuff like that that was a huge thing was like the jews came to krakow like a, a huge thing that uh amon gert says when he addresses the nazis when he's like setting up his concentration camp where all these jews and in, in, in the movie go to he like tell he goes over this thing about this like religious text about how the jews like came here to krakow 600 years ago and they flourished ever since they've just like taken on they've just like you know what i mean oh. like purged fucking the rightful owners of the fuck you know what i mean and it's just like yeah there's 
it has nothing you know what I mean it's just crazy talk from a fucking yeah. Jewish guy. <laughs> like it's not the Jew like they work so anyway yes back then the Jews were like really good so he had an accountant but I'm sure he had a secretary for the Germans like, like German people coming in to buy the enamelware and stuff yeah. like that businessman you would talk to a, a German secretary before you would talk to um, a Jewish one you mm-hmm. wouldn't have a Jewish one anyway yeah so we got off topic a little bit I'm oh, trying that's, to that's what happens here in the room yeah this is room to talk we got <laughs> we got room we're moving I don't even know we've probably been talking for like 40 minutes here which is a good chunk but I, I'm telling you I got a lot of a lot of crazy I don't want to say good because this dude was anything from good but he's just an interesting character like it's it, it was it was interesting to me that like a guy or men because obviously it's not like he was the only one but just like men like they took over a country they were in charge they were taking like they were they like took other countries yes yeah that too that too is like it's just insane to me that like these serial killer type people like this actually happened somewhere like this is a way of life like for fucking like like I don't know what is it six seven years what the World War Two the I mean, Holocaust well, well way before that honestly it probably like thirteen years. They started back like they started yeah. like taking like uh, yeah. people to get like desterilized right. and shit in uh, like the thirties. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It did start. However, still it was just it was just a way of life, and it was crazy to me that this like the stuff. Like I said, for people who haven't seen the movie, when you watch it, it's not for the faint of heart. I'm just gonna tell I mean, you, I've you seen will. Worse, but it's 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 bad. Yeah, you should, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't know what type of audience we're gonna attract, so I'm just putting it out there. You. You're gonna see people die. It's it pulls no punches. You see it up close. You see fucking. It's not. Yeah, it's just a brutal movie. And he was a brutal man specifically. Do you know like his rank in it? Yes, actually, there was um, there was a bunch of like. Um, sorry, I'm trying to find it in the notes here. Cause I did a bunch about like his early. I I broke it down like his early life when he was at the concentration camp and then when he was finally uh, captured and shit. I just gotta try to find it. Eventually, I know at, at one point, basically, when he got to the concentration camp, he got a double promotion Damn. from... For, he skipped, like... I think he, he was second lieutenant at the time. He skipped first lieutenant and went right to captain. Like, right to captain in the SS. I know early on... Because the concentration camp's like a boat. Huh? Because a concentration camp's like a boat. Well, eventually, the one that he he created his, he literally Damn. like he was in charge of Damn. liquidation of multiple ghettos. Like first they set up the ghettos, yeah, for the Jews, and then they liquidated them. Uh-huh. Where like all the fucking well, you have to have more space to keep filling the ghettos up with more Jews. Exactly. So they made the concentration camps and the and the uh, a big thing that the Jews thought they were was a labor force. Yeah. Like this is how deep these roots ran, where they were like. You know, people back here were like even skeptical. We didn't even know. I mean, it's we didn't know what was going. Like, yeah. they like they're, like it's almost unthinkable to think of like people are rounding up other people and just systematically like executing them. Exactly. Like, like, we to had, get that into your heads. We a had lot. no idea until we like got over there. Like we knew obviously there was the war and stuff, but we didn't know about we didn't know a lot about the persecu- persecution of the Jews, the roundup and stuff. But yeah, he was like in charge of like all of these different ghettos. That's another point they try to make in the movie. Is there's a point where him and him and uh, Schindler are having this talk, and Oscar Schindler, by the way, I didn't say this earlier. He's played by Liam Neeson. If you're a fan of uh, Star Wars, Qui Gon Jinn, 
He's the man. He plays an awesome German. And honestly, he plays a great Schindler. Like, he plays a very smart businessman that, like, you see him play these dudes. Raz al Ghul. Yeah. Yo, Raz al Ghul from Batman, too. That's a great one. <laughs> That's actually a really great one. But, yeah, he, he you see him a lot, like, even with Gert. Like, you see him play him. You see him, like, really try to get inside of his head and stuff like that. And, yeah. And he plays him for, like, the full and the psychopath that he is. Like, he can, you know, he tries to see through his tendencies and shit. Um, to answer your part, to answer your part about where about his rank and stuff like that, so far uh, in his early life, um, in 1925 he joined the Austrian Nazi Party, and from 1927 to 1930 he served in the Styrian Home Protection Organization in Vienna. It was a radical and powerful faction of the anti-Semitic nationalist paramilitary group called the home guard i was gonna write what the german yeah the home guard i was gonna write it's actual like german but i would have butchered it a lot of these names are really long home and god and over yeah yeah it was something crazy okay this is actually something crazy too because i never knew stuff about this he achieved full membership of the part of the nazi party in 1931 and since he was since he joined this early he was called an alti comfort Alter Comfort, sorry. Alter Comfort. It means old fighter. Uh, I probably butchered it too. I'm sorry, my German is terrible. Um, you've been around, old man. You fight many times. And this meant, like, when you were when you were labeled this, like an old fighter, it meant that you joined the Nazi Party before Hitler became Chancellor. There was a coup later on. There was a Nazi par- at, the, at this time. The Nazi Party wasn't like the main force in Germany back in the 30s. Like they were still acquiring power. Yeah, and there was actually a they point were just where like they were a outlawed. Political party. Yeah, and there was a point where they were actually outlawed and they had to like mm-hmm. leave in exile. But anyway, yeah, being Those damn like communists getting them out of there. Being labeled an old fighter meant you joined before Hitler became Chancellor of Germany. Which basically, the only reason why I'm mentioning this is like he was an old Nazi. These were he didn't just join. He'd been around. To, yeah, he'd been around. It, and that's honestly probably I think how it worked too is like since he was labeled an old fighter, he probably had better opportunities for jobs like the one that he got. You really overseen. believe in our in our party's values. Exactly. We're gonna put you ahead You're of this game. Not- and I'll actually talk about later on what he did in between before all this stuff, before he became commandant and everything like that. But yeah, anyway, um, old fighter, Chancellor of Germany. He joined the Austrian SS in 1930 with a full membership in 1932 after a two-year candidacy period. So he quit. So he like quit. you have to like campaign to join the SS. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> you know, you join and then you have it like they called it a candidacy period, but it's basically he served and like then a probationary after, period. Yeah, exactly. Two two-year probationary period and then you get full membership. Um, in 1933, that's when the Nazi Party was outlawed and they fled to Munich. And there, he was just basically like a smuggler. Like, him and his, like, superiors and stuff like that. Like, they smuggled radios. They smuggled weapons. All these different stuff to, like, their... Inside of Austria, basically. Try to get the yeah. Nazi party back in. Back. Just take over. Yeah. And that was... Um, he was a courier, too. He would, he'd run all kinds of shit. He was basically a spy, which was the same thing, actually, Oscar did, too. Before Oscar, like before the movie and like what Oscar Schindler did before the movie was stuff like that like he was he was hired by the Germans as a spy and I'm pretty sure that's where he's he somewhat set up he like he did something for the Germans and he made a request to Hitler 
I'm pretty sure. And Hitler, like... Oh, since he did, like, yeah. some act. Not it's not, like, it's not like he fucking set up with Hitler in a fucking room and asked him personally. I think he just, like, requested it, and Hitler just, like, okayed it. Like, yeah, uh, you worked with us, you helped us out, here you go, here's some start... I think it was actually just startup money. Legitimate startup money for him to go where he wanted to, and shit like that. And, yeah, there was that. Um... He was arrested a couple times um, due to lack of evidence. They let him go. Um, then the assassination of the chancellor happened at an attempted coup, and he was arrested. They, they just straight caught him. Like they're just these motherfuckers just try to kill the fucking chancellor. Like he was a part of it. Yeah, he was definitely like. That's what I'm saying. Is like this whole thing is like they're in Munich at this time, and he's like trying. They're literally just trying to like get their party right back in the country. Yeah, and. Then they attempt a coup. They attempt, like, they try to take over the country. They try to kill the chancellor and stuff like that. He was arrested, but he got away. And he fled to Dachau. And he temporarily quit the SS. He just went back home. He's like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck this. I'm sick of this shit. I'm not doing it. I'm going back. Pop had a fern. uh, Wait, what did he have? Yeah, you know, he had a publishing house. Which, like, sold, like, old, like, wartime literature, religious text and shit like that. Yeah, like, they just had... And he just went back there until, like, 1937. He just tried to help out the family. He, like, married once. His mom's like, you should get married. He did. (laughs) Divorced in a couple months. You know what? You should get yourself a wife. Yeah, his mom... His mom just right like, hey, you should, uh... You should settle down there, Sonny. Yeah, like, you have no idea, Mom. Okay. I get lady now. Yeah. And it's so crazy because it's so little's known about his, like, life before. You know this motherfucker was just, like slaughtering animals like somewhere like he was the the way he killed people like the way when we talk later the way he just like how brutal and just like un he's probably fighting like communists barefisted in the streets yeah (laughs) probably was doing that but I mean just he was sadistic man like he like when you really see the brutality of it all and there's actually later on I want to get into like a certain certain section of the movie where you really get to see like the side of him of like really who he is Mm. but anyway yeah um early on wait before okay okay know anything about his childhood like very little about his childhood besides like his okay like his mom his mom name was Berta Schwent Gert um his father was Amon Franz Gert um his his father owned the publishing house Sold the postcards, military history books. He was raised mostly by his aunt because his father was always on the road for business and then his mom was running the store. So it was just said that he was like raised by his aunt a lot. When he was young, he was nicknamed Moni. M O N Y. Money. Moni. What does that mean? I have, I have no. Uh, I tried to look up. I even wrote a little note like any significance to anything. There, it really. Huh. Nothing. Just, hey, this is what they called him. Cool. I don't know. I don't. I also didn't look what that means in like German, too. Mm. I guess I should have fucking done that. Stupid me. And he just attended public school. He started to study agriculture. <laughs> yeah, this guy. He started. He went to college for like ag- agriculture and then just quit due to his. Um, he was 17 when he quit. Sorry. He was 17 when he quit his studies and he quit to pursue his interest in radical right wing ideas. <laughs> So he joined the Nazi party. 
Exactly. And that's where we came up to where his childhood, that's what I was saying, is like there wasn't a lot about his childhood and shit like that. No, like, head injuries or arsons or animal mutilations. No, nothing like that. No McDonald triangle. Nothing like that. Like, I just, and that's what I mean, is I wanted to look up more shit to see if there's anything about his earlier life and stuff, because he had to have been. It was also Germany in, like, the 20s and 30s, so. Yeah, but later on, I'll, I'll also get into, like, the SS arrested him. The, SS, the, the the Nazis captured him before the war ended and diagnosed him with a mental illness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They didn't, it doesn't say what mental illness they specifically... But, I mean, it was very obvious. Yo, like, like we're crazy, but you're like, you're really crazy. Yeah, like, this dude is fucking off the hinges. We gotta put him in a metal box and lock him away. Off the fucking hinges. Um... While he went okay, so yeah, after nineteen thirty seven, after he jo- after he rejoined the Nazis, he had he uh gained a reputation for the isolation, relocation, and killing of the Jewish population in Europe. So like he wasn't shy about it at all. Like he one hundred and ten percent it's it's kinda what I was talking about with the old fighter thing. No doubt whatsoever. Like he was full on Nazi. Yeah. And even in the movie, I don't know if this is historically accurate, but in the movie after like before it rolls the credits and stuff like that, it literally it shows them hanging him. And it's uh, Ralph Fiennes on there in a chair with, like, the, the fucking thing around his neck. And he's just, like, fixing his hair like it fucking matters. You know, he's just, like, brushing his hair over <laughs> while his hands are bound. Like, and then he just like, Heil Hitler! And they fucking, like, kick the chair out and they hang him and stuff. And it's just like, you know what I, I mean? mean? Like, he didn't... <clears throat> completely void of, like, all feeling towards fucking human life. Like, yeah. he gave no fucks whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. No fucks. I don't really think it mattered if you were German either. Because he would kill, like, the Polish people too. Like, I'm sure if some of his, like, officers would, like, disobey him, he would treat them with the same type of cruelty that he did as prisoners. Yeah, probably. Like, it doesn't show that. It doesn't say anything about that. Like, he was, like, cruel to his subordinates. But, I mean, like, a person this, like, just that brutal... He would have had to. Yeah. I just bet none of them tried him. Like, at this time, all these people believe that all the Germans believe this, too. Like, they thought... Yeah, I mean, if you say something, you're probably going to get it worse. Yeah. Dude, right in the beginning of the movie, like, he goes right to the concentration camp, and and the Jews are... The slaves are building their own fucking concentration camp. They talk about his villa and stuff like that. And as they're building this one building, the Jewish contractor comes up and tells them, like, yo, like, we're... Like, this is all wrong. Like, we're messing this up. If, if we go any further, there's going to be a collapse. And he's like, oh, yeah? Looks at his officer, he's like, shoot her. And he's just like, what? Yeah, he's I like, shoot her. Yeah, he's like, shoot her here. And he tries to grab the woman, he tries to leave. He's like, no, shoot her here on my authority. Yeah. And she's just like sitting there, she's like, I'm just trying to do my job. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm doing mine. <laughs> job, well, I'm doing mine. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, that's how he was. That's legitimately how he was. He just, he, like, he just rationalized it like that. Like, yeah. I'm just doing my job, motherfucker. But anyway, yeah. Um, what... Anyway, in 1942, he was transferred to Lublin, Lublin, to join the staff of Odilo Globicnik, Globicnik, sorry, again, bad German, <laughs> um, the SS and police leader of Krakow area as part of Operation Reinhard, which was um, the establishment of the three extermination camps around the area in, like, the Krakow, Plasau. Like, it was their, they called it Operation Reinhard, because obviously this was kept secret from the rest of the world, a lot of yada, yada, yada. Triangle of death. Yeah. Nothing was really known about this six months while they were, like, preparing for all this type of stuff. Everyone was sworn to secrecy. 
everybody that joined and stuff like that like they couldn't they couldn't talk about like what they were doing but later on in his trial um it was basically found out that he was just in charge of like transporting and ex- transporting the Jews to extermination camps to have them be ready to be just put down yeah. that was it and basically you'll learn that's exactly what he did like in Plasau and Krakow the concentrate like it was basically just like kind of like a staging ground where they would like okay you keep so many Jews they're working you have them for slave labor and like a front basically yeah. after so many weeks of malnourishment all of them aren't going to work so good anymore. So you get rid of those. You send them to Auschwitz. He killed a lot. Like I said, this dude literally was arrested for killing Jews on a daily basis. Yeah. A daily basis. He woke up and did the. He would shoot. <clears throat> he would be in his office on his balcony in his like in his villa and he would see workers moving slow or he could see someone taking a break and he would pull out a hunting rifle and legit and just pop them and would just peg them and they and they depicted that in the movie too like he's he wakes up in the morning he's with his mistress or his or his woman whoever the fuck she was whoever he's dicking down yeah he wakes up he has no shirt on he's just out on the balcony he pulls up he's smoking a cigarette he pulls up his rifle he shoots this bitch in the head and then they kind of like the way they show it is like he like puts the cigarette down before he shoots and then he's like, yeah, look. he like looks to the barrel, yeah, puts the gun down, takes a puff out of the cigarette, puts it down, picks the barrel up. Yep, she's still not working. Yep, boom, <laughs> shoots her. He's like looking through the crowd, picking up more people, and then he just like in like this cocky, arrogant, like just like leans down, picks up the cigarette with his lips, like mm-hmm. never touches it with his hands, and just looks down the scope and like pegs another one in the yard. And like all the workers are scattering. Yeah, they're like running as fast as they can. Everyone's screaming, chains. like the, the the SS are going as normal. Like everything's just you know what I mean? It's just every day for him. He walks into the room and his mistress is like laying there. He like pop he like ejects the last shell onto her and she like freaks out. She's like, you son of a bitch and he's like wakey wakey it's just like this mother. I just killed a man with this. Yeah, well, more. He just killed like fucking three or four. Like that's what he would do. That's how. That's how crazy this guy was. But anyway, um, moving on now to Plas out. Like basically, like what you see in Schindler's List. Um, like I said, this isn't really about Schindler's List. It's more about Amon Gert, like the character himself. I'm just making comparisons as to like what you can research about him on his Wikipedia page and what's known about him versus, like, how they depicted him in the movie and, like, what you saw Ralph Fiennes do and, like, how well of a fucking... of a performance and, like, how brutal they make the movie. But anyway. Uh, he was assigned to Death's Head Unit. Or the SS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and his first assignment was to oversee the construction of a 200-acre Krakow Plazow concentration camp, which he was to command. <clears throat> he was also in, in wait, charge... Wait, wait, How big? 200 acres that's pretty big 200 acres of this area which like like i said like also like they you had the ghettos in the area too like they had these whole like areas where the jewish people were blocked off and the rest of the population and stuff like that and then they liquidated them they liquid they took out they just took everyone out of their homes they took all their valuables they took most of their clothes get on the train yes and well not even that i don't it wasn't even the trains yet i'm pretty sure they walked to the camps they walked to the side of the camp probably, oh yeah yeah and that's where they basically just set up and is like here build and they start building their own quarters their own like you know what i mean like their own stuff to work and um yeah he was in charge of multiple he wasn't just in charge of like the krakow ghetto 
He was in charge of like Krakow, Tarnow. There's another one. I'm trying to find the name. Basically, just staging zones. Yeah, there's just all these different ghettos where like he would he was just in charge of sending the SS and his Nazis in there, and they just everybody out. If you could work, cool. Get onto the camp. If you can't, you were pretty much killed in the street. Just. They also have a scene of that in the movie. It's very brutal. It's not for the faint of heart. Again, very brutal movie. Um, they say because of, um, since he was the commandant, the commander, um, <clears throat> he probably had a personal interview with Heinrich Himmler before being appointed the position. That's how serious. Yeah, that's how seriously they took this. And a lot of like what we say is like a lot of the like the German population back then, like they say they had no idea about the holiday. They didn't know what the Nazis were doing with the Jews and stuff like that. And it's just like that's how like serious being the commander was. You got you you had to do an interview with a very high ranking official. Shit's on the DL. Yeah. You needed you needed the fucking high ranking motherfuckers to be like, yeah, he's good. Uh, it was located on the site of two old Jewish cemeteries. If that's not a shitty bit of irony for you. That's almost poetic. <laughs> almost. Well, they just basically meshed two Jewish cemeteries into one big one. Into one 200-acre cemetery. Yeah. It was just not... Yeah. It took one month to build with slave later, labor. <clears throat> And on March 13, 1943, is when the ghetto of Krakow was emptied, and all who could still work were sent to camp at Plasau, and the ones not fit to work were sent to camps to be killed. Yikes. Or killed in the street. There was also a lot of... They were killed like sport. Like, the movie is very... There's this one scene where they're just, like, dumping out this one row of houses, like, all these apartments and buildings they're finding, like, all the Jews that hid till nighttime in little apartments and stuff, and there's just this one night to the end just, like, playing, like, Beethoven or playing, like, Mozart... And these two Nazis come in the door, and they're just like, "Is this Bosch? Is this Bosch?" It's like, "No, this is Mozart. This is Mozart." And it's just like this very like how like it was just like they didn't care. Yeah, they didn't give one. They the, they just didn't care what they were doing. There was that one scene like they brought him out in line like six of them like like in a straight line like yeah. against like yep. not like against the wall but like out from the wall. Yeah, vertical. And they, like, Shot once, killed like two of them. Shot again, like yep. killed like the next. Oh, killed two like four. Yeah. They pulled like up a rifle and they shot, shot like at point blank range. It goes through like four guys and they fall and there's two left and yeah. they the rest just pull up and just shoot them in the head with pistols and it's just the brutality of all this is just like absolutely unfathomable, like. Yeah, definitely. It's you couldn't even imagine, like, people, like even watching it and stuff like that. Like, you're just like, damn, this is nuts. But you still can't even fully imagine what it'd be like to, if it actually happened to you. It's like what six, seven million people they say. They always say six, but I mean, come like, yeah. Since nineteen, like these motherfuckers, Nazis were something since like the thirties. So it's like, how many actual victims are the Nazi Party? Because eventually they were, they obviously now we know. They're a criminal organization. They were deemed a criminal organization. I don't exactly know, obviously, probably by everyone, but what the organization was called that would deem them an organization. Like the Allies, but... Well, it's right during like, the Geneva Trials and, like, exactly. the treaty everyone signed. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, during then, it's like, again, being a Nazi was outlawed. At the start of the war, about 10,000 Jews were sent to be slave laborers. By the time the ghettos were liquidated, which was March 13th, 1943, only 8,000 remained. That's in one night. 
okay, maybe not one night. It might have been like a weekend or like a string of like a couple of nights. But but yeah, 2,000 by the time just to get them to the slave labor camp. The final roundup happened September 1st, 1943, where the remaining Jews were herded onto trains and sent to Auschwitz. Less than half survived the trip. Yeah. Less than half survived. There's a huge, there's a scene in the movie where like they load, where they start loading Jews up onto the trains. And uh, Schindler shows up in front of Gert and his Nazis, and he, he like tells him like get fire hoses, like get like and he's like why? Like, you know they're laughing at him like why? And and basically this is another part where I was telling you where he like he like unintentionally plays them, and they're like they're literally this arrogant and this stupid, where like he's literally like telling his Nazi like subordinates to give the Jews water to like spray water and he's just like actively going up like pulling the hose like come on give them water give them more more over here give them more over here give them more and and like the Nazis are like laughing they're like Oscar you are giving them hope that is that is cruel that is me like and, and he's literally just trying you know what I mean like he's legitimately just helping them yeah at one point Oscar was arrested for kissing a Jewish woman he had like a birthday party and the, and and two of the like a, a Jewish woman and her daughter like brought him a cake from the workers in his factory and stuff like that. And this motherfucker is just like he's drunk having a great fucking time and he just like lean, he's oh, just like, yeah, he's kissing all, yeah, he's kissing all the German German girls too like at this party and in front of all these Nazis he literally just like kisses the like little Jewish girl on the head or the cheek or something and grabs the mother and just fucking tongue just, yeah, just starts <laughs> tonguing her and this woman is like you know what I mean? Like she, she knows. Yo, I bet she, she smells like the back of a PS4. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it sounded like mac and cheese. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you can see this woman. She's freaking. Like your eyes get so huge. She's just in this room full of Nazis and this German. Who's, who's like, who's you've killed the, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, as soon as he's done, her and her daughter just turn around and run. Like, basic, not like fucking full sprint, but they're just, you know what I mean? They hightail it out of this fucking room. And later on, like, they use that against him, and he kissed, like, he. It, you can't, you couldn't mingle races back then, like, in Germany and stuff like that. But no, yeah, no. anyway. Less than half survived the trip to Auschwitz. Most of the survivors were deemed unsuitable for slave work, and they were killed immediately as soon as they got to Auschwitz. Testimony of his later trial from eyewitness, from eyewitness accounts apparently say Gert personally shot 30 to 90 women and children the day of the ghetto's liquidation. Damn. A lot of this stuff that you hear from him, like when he was uh, arrested and when he was tried and everything like that, a lot of like his charges had to do with personally doing stuff to people. You hear it like he personally shot, he personally killed, he personally maimed, he personally tor- tortured. Like that he was actually during his trial, he was the first of the the first person to be convicted of homicide at a war crimes trial. <laughs> like cuz obviously it's wartime. It, death is a kind of a a given. Yeah, but it's gonna happen. He's killing everyone. Yeah, everybody. But this this guy was so savage. He killed so many. I mean, just right there. Like, he, literally, this was testimony of people who saw him on the day of the liquidation of the ghetto. Said he personally shot thirty to ninety women and children. That's not just men. Yeah, that's women and children. A lot of the testimony came from. I gotta look up the name. Again, I don't want to butcher this, but I'm going to. Mietzla. Mieksilaw 
something like that. Miatek Pemper, who was Jewish, was forced to work as Gert's personal secretary and stenographer in Plazow. Using names provided by Jewish ghetto police officer Marcel Goldberg, Pemper compiled and typed the list of 1,200 Jews whose lives were saved when they were sent to Oscar Schindler's camp. Miatek Pemper is, is like, he, he was a secretary. He took care of his accounts. He took care of all this stuff. He was someone that Gert trusted. He was smart. This guy gave a lot of testimony. Like, and can you imagine how fucking scared he was? Like, he had to give testimony to this guy that basically, like, tortured him and his people all through this time. But he fucking did it, and he's the reason why... He's a big reason why he got fucking... The rope. Yeah, why they got him. Um, Back up here. Because I'm going to start getting into, like, how brutal he really was. Um, On his birthday in 1943, he had Natalia Karp, newly arrived at the camp. She was a Jewish girl. Play piano for him. She played it so well that Gert allowed her and her sister to live. (laughs) He did a good job. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, and I'm... Ralph Fiennes played... Like, I hate saying it because he's, like... The dude we're talking about is a crazy motherfucker. Crazy murder. But he plays him so well. Like, you can see it in his fucking eyes in the movie. Like, dude, like, you believe it so much that, like, this dude is crazy. Uh, oh, yeah, how about this? <laughs> this is this is actually, it's fucked up. It, it, even more fucked up, but it's just crazy. He was also in charge of the Sved, Svedmi, Sved, Svedmi concentration camp, to which he delegated to his subordinate. He sent a subordinate down to just, ta- to just help the commander with mass killings. That was literally his task. Hey, you go down there, you take care of it. Quote, that was in quotations, too. Said that he was in charge uh, of the concentration camp, to which he delegated his subordinate, whose task was to help the camp's commander with, quote, unquote, mass killings. <laughs> just like, and this is a huge thing as to why, like, why he was like tried by the Nazis themselves. In 1944 is when Gert uh, got his double promotion. He skipped first lieutenant. He went right to captain of the Krakow Plaza and was now... Uh, at that time, the concentration camp was permanent, making it one of 13 in Poland. Damn. Not in Germany. Yeah. Just in Poland. So, basically, the war was getting up there. It was getting pretty tight. The Nazis were, you know, they kept sending more Jews and more Jews to these concentration camps. Yeah, and this shit is got the tight. height so, of it. Yeah, they had, to, they had to make it... They had to start covering their steps, basically. That's, that's where this is, like... Man, we gotta start from. liquidating some of these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 13. 13 just in Poland. Like, yeah. they were. That's what I'm saying. Like, 6 million set. Like, it's probably even more. You know what I mean? Um, testimonies at his trial suggested that before it became a permanent concentration camp, because labor camps were viewed differently. It's kind of why he could get away with all this stuff. Like, he was in charge. And they weren't monitored over because it wasn't, like, a place where they had to actually... It was supposed to be a labor camp. He wasn't supposed to be killing all these fucking people like this. They were only supposed to be killing them when they were sent to concentration camps or the extermination camps. You know what I mean? People... Yeah. Workers were supposed to work. People who were undeemed to work... Died. Died. That's how it was. And that's how they kind of, like... Justified, I guess. Um... Before this stage, when it was just a regular labor camp, is when he did most of his, like, atrocious acts. Like, everything that he was, like, notorious for. And he was notorious. Uh, in early May 1944, Gert got word that 10,000 new Jews would be coming to the camp. 
to make room on May 14th, he gathered all the children of the camp and moved them to the kindergarten. The next day, he had most of them with very few exemptions. I don't even know why they put that. There must have been, like, just a couple. Twins, probably. Maybe. I'm sure it was just something that happened, like, probably something for them to, like, do research on or something. Exactly what you said, like, probably send a Mengele or something. They were sent to Auschwitz, the children. Like, all the fucking, basically all the children were just rounded up and sent to Auschwitz to, just to make room for 10,000 new slaves. Um, the Jews described him as a huge, imposing man, and he personally killed inmates on a daily basis. He had two dogs trained to tear prisoners to death. One was a Great Dane, the other one I can't remember exactly what it... You see them a couple times in the movies and stuff like that, but yeah, he had a Great Dane, he had another one, it was another fucking probably a hunting dog, and uh, he shot... uh, It was said he shot people from the office of his window, that's what I was talking about, the scene in the balcony where he pulls up his hunting rifle for moving too slow or taking breaks. He shot a cook for making his soup too hot once, and he mistreated his two maids... No soup for you! Helen Jonas, Rosenwig, and Helen Hirsch... Which is, um, Helen Hirsch is, is, uh, depicted in the movie. Um, something about her is, like, the one part that I wanted to talk about is, like, there's different parts in this. There's a, there's a certain conversation what Gert has with Schindler, where Schindler tries to get inside it. Remember what I was telling you about how the accountant said about how he lined up, like, Schindler basically believed that he was under so much that Gert was under so much stress for being the commander of of this entire like he had so much responsibility that that's why he committed all these atrocious acts. Like yeah. he had so much like there's a point where like Ralph Fiennes and him are talking and he's like he's like you want your own sub camp, don't you? That's what you're doing. That's why you're taking all these jubes. You want your own concentration camp cuz you don't want people to tell you what to do. You want to be the man in charge. He's like, you don't really want it. He's like, I got, you got to find out how much, I got to find out area space for, for the fences. I got to get how much barbed wire for the fences. I'm in charge of moving people from here to there. I have to sign these papers. He's like, it's all, it's, it's, it's driving me insane. Like, yeah. it's just too much. And it, it's like this part where he like tries to make someone feel bad for him. And in some ways at the beginning, it works with Schindler. Like Schindler kind of like sees the stuff, mind you, he's still a Nazi. Um, he sees all this stuff and he, and he tries to he tries to kind of like argue with his accountant of his uh, factory where he's just like yo this this Gert guy he's not that bad he's all right he doesn't like doing this it's you know, it's the position that's been put upon him he, you know what I mean he doesn't want to do this he doesn't and then the accountant just starts going into like all these different accounts of him just slaughtering people on a daily basis like if, if you stole food shot. There was a scene in the where there was a scene in the movie where like a prisoner tried to escape, so he lined up every man in the barracks in that workers' barracks. He shot the man to the left of the guy who escaped. He shot the man to the right of the guy who escaped, and then just proceeded to lay out every single person in the barracks until he got to twenty-five in just one morning, just yeah. one sitting, just one go. After you probably already snatched a couple people from his balcony. And- yeah. And mind you, I don't think there's very many uh, standard issue pistols back then that have a clip of 25. (laughs) So he had to either get another gun or fucking reload at some point. And it's just like... Everyone just stay there as he's putting bullets back into his clip. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, they know. Like, I'll read... I actually... I'll I'll show you some quotes, too. But uh, here we go. This is from Helen Jonas Rosenwig. Rosenwig, which she was the... She was the maid that met the daughter. She was the one where, like, there's a documentary of them, and it basically details those two meeting. 
hmm. about, and it, it also talks about the entire war and stuff like that. Um, there's also documentaries where some of like Gert's, like Gert's daughter, granddaughter, or whatever, speak with other, like, other Nazi war criminals' descendants yeah. about their family and like what it's like, how how sh- how should they be remembered or some shit. How is it like living with a war criminal in the family? A lot of them have trouble with it. A lot of them don't realize. Like, I think the. Uh, I think the one do- I think the one granddaughter had no idea until she read like her grandmother's memoirs. There's like a there's, she had like memories like written down somewhere and she had no idea that her, That would that, be rough. Yeah, that her grandfather was just like this crazy person. Anyway, this quote by Helen uh Jonas Rosenwig, uh as a survivor I can tell you that we were that we are all traumatized people. Never would I never believe that any human being would be capable of such horror of such atrocities when we saw him from a distance everybody was hiding in the trees wherever they could hide i can tell you i can't tell you how people feared him damn and that's what i'm saying is like another one uh poldeck pfefferberg uh he was also depicted in the movie he was like one that survived uh he's one of schindler's jews okay he says when you saw gert you saw death <laughs> and these are all just like real quotes from the actual people it's not something that was like put in the in the movie. These are from actual survivors of this man. Um, he he believed that if one member of a work group committed an infraction, the entire team had to be pun- punished. Damn. One time he ordered the shooting of every second member of a work group because one had escaped. This is what I was talking about. That one scene they probably meshed a couple together because another time he personally shot every fifth member of a of a work group because one had not returned. One, um, two, three, four, pop. Yeah. One, two, three, four, yeah. pop. Yeah. There was a main hill called Hujawa Gorka, which was in in uh, translates to Prick Hill, where uh, Miatek Pemper uh, testified was the main murder spot, where he said that eight to twelve thousand people were murdered on that hill. Damn. Probably a lot by Gert. That's a lot and of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, he was just like I've given a lot of examples. We've talked about it for about an hour now, but like yeah, he was just a savage motherfucker. And this guy was in charge of not just like one camp. Like I said, he was in charge of like this concentration camp. He was in charge of the liquidation of multiple ghettos around the surrounding area. Krakow, uh Tarnow. There was other ones too, the that Sved Svebni concentration camp he was in charge of that this sadistic crazy motherfucker who was supposedly had this flawless resume like damn he definitely sent a lot of people to the fucking graves that's for sure yeah i'll I'll actually i can't wait to see i'm getting to that too is now like we're getting to his dismissal and his capture on uh september 13th 1944 gert was relieved of his position and charged by the ss by the Nazis. This guy was so fucking sadistic that eventually <laughs> the Nazis were like, okay, bro, we can't have this anymore. And what he was tried for, or what he was convicted of, was theft of Jewish property, which, according to Nazi regulations at the time, belonged to the state. Yeah. So basically he was taking their shit. Also, what I also think is at the end of Schindler's list, what happens is that basically Schindler has a bunch of shit. He has a shit ton of money. Like he made, like he did everything he could. He he literally tells his accountant, like I have more money than any man could ever fucking want or spend in a lifetime. I'm leaving. I'm just gonna go home. Fuck it, whatever. And then he and then he has, you know what I mean? He realizes he's leaving all these people and stuff like that. He buys them from Gert, 
and like there's a point where the accountant like tells him like how are you, like what do you, like what's Gert think of all this like all these people that you're just taking from his camps and stuff mm-hmm. and he just doesn't answer and like he he obviously gets it it's like you're not buying them and that's why that's why Oscar Schindler like this is why me and my girlfriend got into a fight actually <laughs> he saved all these people and I'm like he also profited off slave labor yeah <laughs> it's like right in the movie he tells them all like. I am a war criminal. <laughs> I must flee. Like he, he really was. He, he, you know what I mean. He was a member of the Nazi Party. He still wasn't that good of a dude. And only part of the way did he kind of like separate himself from Gert and the rest of the Nazis, where he realized, where he saw like what Gert was doing to the not to the Jews. Yeah, he's like, we should be just killing them. <laughs> yeah. And there's a point where Oscar, he does the real Oscar Schindler. He did say that there's a point where he like actually saw like the persecution of the Jews, and he saw it very up close and personal. And that's when he, he was like, he would never be the same again. Like he, he just realized that this is not. And he would do stuff like that, and that's what I mean. Is like, part way through the movie is when he kind of makes the flip, and he instead of like unconsciously realizing that his uh or unconsciously knowing and then finding out that his accountant is kind of saving these Jews like using his business to save the Jews yeah. he kind of yells at him and shit and then eventually he kind of he's he sees reason he understands that like yo like this is this is kind of the right thing to do um another thing that Gert was uh charged by the SS for was failure to provide adequate food to the prisoners violation of the concentration camp regulations regarding the treatment and punishment of prisoners obviously yeah I mean bullets to the skull is a bad punishment yeah bullets to the chest allowing unauthorized access to camp personnel records by prisoners and non-commissioned officers I don't know how the fuck you get charged with that bro if you're killing Jews every day how do you let Jews know shit wait what was it it was allowing unauthorized access to camp personnel records by prisoners and non-commissioned officers. My thing, he might have that might have been like Oscar. It might have been he might have let like Oscar. It might have had to do with like Oscar getting the Jews from him, him knowing yeah. since they were property of the state, he would have their names, their all that kind of stuff that's done from them. Um, he was doing trial, but because the war effort was going so badly in Germany, the charges were dropped in 1945 never happened they just alright yeah you did all this shit but we're gonna let you fucking go for some reason cause we got other obviously bigger fish to fry we're all going down soon yeah the SS doctors though diagnosed him with a mental disorder it wasn't listed I couldn't find it I don't uh, it's not that hard crazy pants yeah he's fucking fucking psycho crazy motherfucker and they committed him to an institute so he's just sitting in there getting his meds. And in May 1945, he was captured by the United States military. So when they raided the hospital? We found him. Well, they prob- it was probably full with, like... There's probably Nazis. Nazi memorabilia. Yeah, there's a bunch of fucking Nazi memorabilia. There's probably a bunch of fucking Nazis committed there by doctors who were trying to, like, save skin yeah. or something. I could be totally wrong about that. But however, we found him. He was sent to Dachau prison. Kind of funny. That's where he escaped earlier in his life. <laughs> And it was, uh, this is even more funny. He was identified there by prisoners of the Plasau Krakow concentration camp. Some of the Jews that were under his uh, command uh, actually like saw him at the saw him at Dachau. Hey, and, remember you, motherfucker. Yep, yep. And you could only imagine how fucking sweet, how sweet revenge must have been for these people. Oh, I'm sure they probably beat the piss out of him. Oh my god, you can only fucking. I hope so. 
Uh, after the war, was, uh, after the war, he was extradited to Poland and tried by the Supreme National Tribunal of Poland. He was found guilty of being a member of the Nazi Party, which was a criminal organization. Like I said, he was also convicted of homicide. Uh, First such convictions at a war crimes trial. That's how crazy this motherfucker Fucking was. Fucking like two hundred counts of it. Yeah, yeah. And this is where I this is where I was telling you about the quote uh, about what he was actually tried for. Uh, he was convicted of homicide for personal quote personally killing, maiming, and torturing a substantial, albeit unidentifiable, number of people. End quote. <laughs> this mugger filled so many graves, we can't find them all. Yes. That's ultimately this entire podcast, the entire hour and 30 that I've been sitting here blabbing my fat fucking mouth about this sadistic motherfucker who doesn't deserve any of this knowledge being known about him. That's how crazy he was. That is how crazy he was. And out a substantial, albeit unidentifiable number of people. And he was sentenced to death and hanged on September 13, 1946, at the Montel Prison near the old Krakow camp. I he was cremated and his remains were thrown in the Vistula River. I hope they didn't tie the rope right and he choked to death. In the, in the, it, it didn't look like in the movie he was literally standing on a chair and some guy was like holding the rope around a wooden bar oh, and they like try to kick out the chair and it doesn't work at first then they break a fucking leg and he goes down part way and they break out the other one and then you just see it like I'm sure they didn't make it that well I mean they didn't put him on a platform so they weren't trying to break his neck they wanted him to suffocate good yeah they just wanted him to fucking but even in the movie like literally he just like sits there he's like how Hitler I don't know if that's like I don't know if that's like accurate. If that's if he if he fucking because when he was captured too, he didn't admit to being an SS officer. No, like you wouldn't. However, yeah. could have been the meds. Could just be he's trying to save face. Like I said, they had to identify him later on in the prison. He obviously didn't tell them. Yeah, who I mean, he really when the was. Americans come, you don't tell them who you are. Yeah, yeah. So there's probably all that, but yeah, he he uh he went up to the end. And like I said, there's information about his like his wife. His wife loved, like, or his girlfriend, which, um, the secretary that he met in Oscar Schindler's, <laughs> is funny, when I was reading, <coughs> doing the research, he said it was love at first sight, <clears throat> he's married, he was married at the time, to his second wife, and he said it was love at first sight with this secretary Hell and stuff. yeah. Yeah. And he eventually gets her pregnant, and she just leaves. <laughs> like, she doesn't, like, leave him, she leaves to go back be with her mom for the baby, and then that was his last kid, and I don't think he ever met her. I don't think, like, when she was born, she ever met her father or anything like that. She just knew eventually who she was when all these different facts came out about him and stuff like that. And that's why her mom mom went crazy. Like, her mom loved him so unconditionally and shit like that until she found out what he did, and then she just, she couldn't cope. And she eventually killed herself. Damn. Yeah. That's nuts. But, when you love a crazy Nazi war criminal... It's kind of what you deserve. And when I say crazy, like, it's nuts to have a first... It's nuts to be like, they're just like, you know what? We all killed people, but you killed people. Like, you did it worse than everybody else. <laughs> if, uh, I think under the current uh, atmosphere, I think everybody should actually go and watch Schindler's List if you haven't. If you're one of those people who don't like fucking subtitles 
you don't need to watch it with subtitles, but if you want to get some of the names right and you want to learn who these like, because a lot of because the names of the Jewish people and of some of the Nazis and stuff like that are and, and the people around are like accurate. Yeah, they're made, and and I'm pretty sure a lot of the people are played by descendants of. Like, their descendants. That's cool. Yeah, like the Pfefferbergs and stuff like that. Like, they're played by descendants of them. And all these different people. Because at the end, in the credits and stuff, you see these Jews walk up to Oscar's grave. Like, when he dies and stuff. And then all the mm. actual Jews. But they're walking with the actors. And I I just really... I don't know. There's some, They might just be actors. But I think they're descendants. I think they're part of it. I think because some of them look similar. Some of them you can see like it almost looks like that family resemblance or something like that. Oh. Maybe maybe it's just accurate Hollywood or something like that. But yeah, I, would, I recommend watch the movie. It's fucking brutal. But oh, so wait, what's the significance of the girl in the red dress? Huh? The girl in the red dress. I think it's kind of um, throughout the movie. You see a girl in a red dress. The movie's in black and white. That's another thing I wanted to say. It's in black and white. That was the whole thing with, like, a, if you're a bitch in the subtitles. If you're a bitch and you don't like black and white, get the fuck over it. <laughs> like, this movie is nuts. It's really, really historically accurate. It's pretty brutal, but you can get through it. There's been worse. It's not, like, fucking Saul or anything like that. But you do see death, and you see some explicatives. But I think this... You see a, you see a little girl in different scenes, and I think... It ha- it's like I think it's chapters of the war kind of it's like chapters of the war or like Oscar I could totally be butchering this I'm, I don't know about symbolism or whatever but it's like at different parts like the little girl's running around then the little girl is like hiding so it's kind of like okay Oscar's like running around amidst all this stuff like oblivious Mm-hmm. Now he's like hiding the fact. Now he's hiding behind his business, or he's hot, or he's trying to like not see the fact that Gert like what they really are doing, yeah. or he's trying to hide from what his true like what he should be doing, what the right thing. I feel like it's representing his views. Yes, yes, exactly. It's like it, it, it's representing like the time. Well, I think it's his views and like your view. I think it's like both. I think it has to do with Oscar, but it also has something to do with you as, like, the viewer. As, like, you see these different time goes by in the war. First, you see them in the ghettos, and that's when you see the little girl first. And she's just, like, running around. It's fine. Yeah. Then everybody, then shit goes down, and they start liquidating and fucking taking people out of the ghetto. And everyone's got to hide, and everything's mayhem. So you see the little girl try to get under the bed. Then it's the end of the war. Then, then you see the concentration camps, and you see the little girl dead. And the whole movie's in black and white, and she's wearing a little red vest the whole time. She's the only thing in color that you'll yeah. see, besides the very first scene. There's a very first scene where like Jew, the there's these Jewish men that are doing a like a ceremony, a Jewish ceremony. They might like be holding. It might be the Sabbath or something like that. I'm not familiar with the Jewish um, religion, but yeah, that's basically what the significance of the little girl is. It's just like I think is the you as the viewer and kind of over time how Oscar kind of like views the war. Like he's kind of like in on it, then he's like, he's kind of making excuses as to you know the whole girl. Like, oh, he's just stressed. He doesn't like killing. Like, uh, I think he likes killing people. He bro. loves it. I, yeah, I think he he kind of needs it with his breakfast. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it's fucked up. It's crazy, but it's a great movie. He's a crazy psychopath. He's in the Vista La River. Oh, now he's in the ocean, huh? Now he's in the ocean. Well, now yeah. 
Now he's just not fucking here. You could have drank him. Like, drank him. Maybe. Nazis in your blood. I don't think I'm that German. <laughs> well, if you just keep drinking Nazi ashes all the time, what's going to happen? <laughs> I've never been to the Vistula River. I don't think it... I don't think Amon came all this way over here. Maybe. It's been a long time. Fair enough. I have better chance of, like, some civil war. Or even revolutionary war. I have better chances of that. Some, that Indi was here. some Indians Christopher Columbus popped. <laughs> some of my people. <laughs> Apparently my mother said that. Apparently my mother, my mom said that uh, on my grandfather's side, we're, like, part Native American. And my grandfather's father, she has a photo of him somewhere, and he just... She said he looks like a straight Native American, like really dark skin. Like, that's cool. I was like, that's crazy. Like, yeah, it's not like I'm gonna pick up a fucking headdress and fucking march for my people. But it would be kind of cool to like, if it was, like, see what kind of tribe we we're from. Supposedly, there's a dude that we're related to that like, that like, uh, he like dresses up as a Native American. Hell yeah. Yeah, like he's like fully like once he found out. He, like, went into the family. I've never met this dude. He's, like, really distant. He's, like, a real distant cousin or something like that. But apparently, somewhere in the family. Something like that. It's crazy you're related to them because uh, I'm actually related to Lewis from the Lewis and Clark expedition. Ooh! <laughs> My great, 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 great grandmother. Fucking. Who went with Lewis and Clark? Sacagawea. Sacagawea Walker. Sackage of Bud Walker um, Went on an expedition together And now we're on an expedition To bring people really good Informative podcasts Spreading the word Hell yeah The good word I think uh, we've been talking for a good while here I think it's about time To wrap up Definitely thanks to Zach for getting us all set up. Yeah, man. This has been awesome. I can't wait to listen to these. I can't wait to release this to the public. I hope you guys enjoy our... Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed Mike's couple of news stories. I hope you enjoyed uh, my little presentation on Amon Gert. Like I said, uh, we don't have a lot of rhyme or reason to this yet. Just kind of feeling it out. Yeah, we're feeling it out for now. We're going to try to bring you guys at least some sort of content. Like, whatever we do, we're going to try to, like, describe it in depth. Do some research on it. We're going to try to do some fun things with this. But, uh, Hell yeah. for right now, we're going to get off here and go smoke some weed. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>